Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, it is dinner time. What are you doing? My suggestion, go to Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Man, I love the food over there. The barbecue, best in town. And I've had, I have had a lot of barbecue in town. Love the way they smoke their meats. They make their own sauces. They have a uh, grilled Reuben it's a smoked Reuben that is just amazing. Uh, the ribs are fantastic. They have great non-barbecue options as well. I've said this for a very long time. Their chicken marsala is as good as any five-star restaurant in town. Their sides are fantastic. Their, their beans, their baked beans are made with pork and brisket. I mean, who does that? And you could just go there for the desserts. That's how good they are. You can find Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew, two great locations in the Denver metro area, although they are all over. Colorado, but in the Denver metro area, you can find them in Centennial off of Arapahoe Road. You can also find them in North Denver. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. We have spent time probably over the last four or five years, Mace, talking about who the Broncos could have gotten at quarterback. And you spend time talking about one particular draft. And then you talk about another particular draft. But when you see it all in front of you, it's pretty mind-blowing. Let's look at what has happened over the last six years, five of the last six years. In 2016, the Broncos could have had Dak Prescott. It's not as if Prescott, you had to trade up to get Prescott. You could have had him, right? You could have had him. And listen, at the end of the day, they missed on Russell Wilson. I get all that, too. But I'm talking about the end of the Elway era, post-Peyton Manning era. Then you could make the case the Kansas City Chiefs were looking to replace Alex Smith. They didn't have to replace Alex Smith. He was still good enough. But you know what? They wanted to replace him. And they made a big deal with the Buffalo Bills and moved way up in the draft to number 10 to take Josh Mahomes. And at number 12, well, I don't know if you want him right now, but Deshaun Watson has been great until his <clears throat> legal issues. The Broncos took Garrett Bowles at number 20, which, oh, by the way, everybody and their grandmother who knew nothing about the draft knew the Broncos were going to be taking a tackle at number 20. Then you look at 2018. It's been talked about recently, for sure, because of the ascension of Josh Allen. The Broncos take uh, Bradley Chubb over Josh Allen. Let's move ahead a couple of years. The Broncos took Jerry Judy at number 15, not suggesting it's a bad pick. They could have moved up for Justin Herbert. At the end of the day, if you really, really, really like a guy, I'm sorry you trade the farm for him. And then they didn't draft Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Which one of these is the biggest gaffe when you consider not wanting to give up a lot of capital to trade up, mm -hmm. a bad pick, 
or not taking a guy who is available? Oh, <laughs> that's it's tough. Um, but when you put it all together, Mace, yeah. when you look I, at those I, five I, years, I, yeah. you're like, oh, my God, every year they could have had somebody. Right. And the thing is, like, you could argue that um, the years they picked the quarterback were maybe the ones that they should have passed on, like 16, that, uh, you know, maybe they should have waited for 17 or, or like they, they picked a quarterback in 19 when 18 or 20 would have been better. I think even though kind of the obvious thing right now is to say, well, you could have had a quarterback at nine. I think it's a dead heat between Chubb over Allen yep. because they had Josh. Look, it's not like they didn't have the chance to get to know Josh Allen. Yep. They had Josh Allen. Senior Bowl. With their coaches for a week. And so that's one where you look at that and say, all right. And we do know that week he was improving. Like, okay, Baker Mayfield got a lot of the attention. But Josh Allen was on the ascension. He was doing that thing of getting better, markedly better from day to day, which is how how you show that you can incorporate coaching. And I think that's kind of a failure of of evaluation of having a guy in your midst and saying, no, we're not going to take him. But. In 2020, yes, they had picked Drew Locke the year before, but John Elway loved him some Justin Herbert. He did. He did. And if Herbert had come out in the 19 draft as expected, I believe the Broncos would have traded up to select Justin Herbert then. And sometimes the mistake that you make is saying, well, okay, we have this guy. Let's see where he goes. Let's not pick that position where even though we love this other quarterback, if you love and have a conviction on a quarterback, unless you've got an elite starter, you should find a way to get that guy if you believe enough in him. I agree. And let's look specifically at that 2020 draft. Okay, You arguably could have made a trade with the Lions for Okuda meaning they took Jeff Okuda. From what I understand, they were in love with him. They absolutely love Jeff Okuda. I'm not so sure the Lions were going to move off that pick. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the next pick, it was the New York Giants, and they took Andrew Thomas. Who's been a bust so far. Okay. Whether he was a bust or not, that draft was rich with offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get Andrew Thomas... Jedrick Willis was taken 10th by the Browns. Mekhi Becton was taken 11th by the Jets. Tristan Wirfs was taken 13th by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Best one of all, by the way. Offensive tackle four was the best one of the group. Right. But with that, but even that said, there wasn't a huge gap between those four guys. Yeah, it was kind of like, what flavor do you like? Right. So why wouldn't the Giants trade out of four, compile a bunch of picks with the Broncos, and then maybe trade back up into the top ten with, say, Jacksonville at nine? I mean, you could almost make the same argument in the 21 draft because you could have traded down to 20 and still picked Greg Newsom and gotten a first-round pick for next year from Chicago. Right. Right. And... But yeah, but that that was the thing, like kind of Drew, look, if they had a conviction on Drew Locke, they would have gone and gotten him in round one. They didn't. It was that Drew Locke happened to fall and be there for a reasonable price to move up in round two. They moved up 10 slots to pick him. Like, uh, oh, 
the value, the, the values, right. And, uh, you know what, it might work out. Let's go, let's go get him. But it was, but it wasn't like they had a huge conviction on him. Otherwise I mean, I, they would have taken him round one. I understand the bills took a big risk trading away everything they did in order to get Patrick in order to get Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the chiefs traded away a lot with the mm-hmm. Bills. As it turns out, it worked out pretty well for the Bills considering they wound up getting Josh Allen. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, if you really love a guy, they, then you move up to get him. I'll give you two spots where the Broncos could have made a move and chose not to. And I'll tell you why I think they didn't. Now, one guy, I'll start with him. The Broncos so desperately needed an offensive tackle in the worst possible way. In a draft, by the way, in the first round that was not loaded with offensive tackles. I think there were only two offensive tackles taken in the 2017 draft. Right. It was Bowles and Ramchek. And Ramchek has turned out to be a terrific player. It's not an argument you like Bowles or Ramchek more. I think most people take Ramchek despite what Bowles did last year. But that's not my point. Everybody knew they were going to take Bowles. They desperately needed a tackle. Yet, what if they would have moved up to 12 to take Watson? What if they would have given the same package to the Bills to get Mahomes? They could have done that. And I know it's the old woulda, shoulda, coulda thing. But maybe they didn't scout these guys hard enough. Or maybe well, the they other didn't. thing, yeah. Ma- it's maybe, the same thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Well, you know you're probably not going to get to Sean Watson at 12. So why are you really scouting him that hard? You're scouting him, but maybe you're not giving all that extra effort. Well, the fun, the thing is, 20, 17 and 20 kind of share the same thing, that they picked a quarterback high, or relatively high, the year before. So it's let's see how that works out. I mean, imagine if Arizona had applied the same logic to the 2019 draft. Oh, well, we got to give Josh Rosen a little more time. Yeah. Then they wouldn't. Then they wouldn't have somebody who is, if not the number one MVP candidate, but is, is certainly among the top three in the league right now. They, and that's the th- like quarterback. As a position, you should not be afraid to overcommit until you find until you find the right guy, and it may mean something absurd like. You take a first round pick. You have you have a second round pick the previous year, and you go for and you pick a first rounder this year if you believe in that guy. And the thing is, you and I both know from what we've gathered that John Elway and the Broncos really, really, really believed in Justin Herbert. Right. All right. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the bye week with our friend Todd Davis, Super Bowl champ with the Broncos, and what did he make of that loss? And of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask him what he thought about. Teddy Bridgewater not going for that tackle. That's next. I know you need the upper hand even when we aren't fighting. Cause in the past you had to prepare every time. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, 
want to talk to you about my friend, my guy, Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. I've worked with Eric for over five years. He does my auto. He does my home. He does a bunch of other things as well. I trust him with everything when it comes to insurance, and I'm telling you, you should too. I don't give an endorsement like this lightly. He is really that good at what he does, and his communication, unmatched. He is quick to return phone calls. He is quick to return emails. He understands that you need answers. He asks the right questions, and he's going to get you into the best possible policy. Eric Cook and his staff at Cook Insurance have over 70 years of experience, and you need to work with them. Trust me. Give them a call today or give him a call today or his team them, either way. 303-790-8089. 303-790-8089. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. All right, let's go out to the hotline. We want to bring in our friend Todd Davis. Of course, he won a Super Bowl with the Broncos, and now he is part of the Davis Fund with his wife, helping the less fortunate in the real estate world. How are you, Todd? Doing great. How are you? All right. We could talk about the bye week and so on and so forth, and we will get to that. But let's talk about what everybody is talking about right now. You are a player on the Broncos, and you saw what happened on that fumble return for a touchdown, and Teddy Bridgewater is getting roasted for not making an effort. Is the criticism fair? Um, I think that's, you know, a business decision. And I don't know if you feel like, um, or if he felt like Melvin was already down. Um, you know, if he definitely felt like that it may be called back, there was no reason for him to play his body a lot. And in the past, you've seen players get injured like that. So um, you would have liked to see him lay out, but I understand the business decision not to. Real quick, Andrew, let me just follow up real quick. If this was Peyton Manning, would the criticism be just as harsh? I think so. I think it's just any person. Just like when, when we played Cam in the Super Bowl and people felt like he didn't die for the ball uh, that Vaughn picked up um, when it was a fumble, he got a lot of criticism for that. So I think it's any player um, that they feel like they can give their all or sacrifice their body for the team with different criticism for them. You mentioned the words business decision. And, of course, those two words have been kind of thrown out in the public sphere a lot in recent days. In the locker room, do guys understand and 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 are and be accepting of someone else making a quote unquote business business decision? How is that received? Yeah, I think um, when you're in the locker room, um, you understand how the game of football works, and you understand sometimes you do have to make a business decision. And those guys understand his thought process more than anybody. I'm sure he's had conversations about whether he felt like Melvin Gordon was down or whether he was making the decision. Um, I don't know, you know, which the case uh, was, but, you know, those guys in the locker room, you definitely understand a lot more than um, anyone else uh, out there. We're talking with Todd Davis, Super Bowl champ with the Denver Broncos. His segment is brought to you by the Davis Fund, helping the less fortunate with his real estate business that he has with his wife. Let's talk about the bye week. Certainly the bye week helps physically and mentally. How badly do the Broncos need this bye week after the roller coaster ride they have put themselves on? 
they need it really bad. I think they have to identify themselves um, or, you know, gain an identity within this bye week. They need to sit down and talk as a team, as a coaching staff, and figure out who they want to be the second half of the season. Um, they've had so many crazy games. Um, you know, they'll have a big win and a tough loss in back-to-back weeks. And it's, you know, really like a roller coaster ride, like you said. So hopefully hopefully this bye week is what they needed. Um, they'll, they'll be able to get, you know, Bradley Chubb back and Garrett Bowles, hopefully, um, you know, two big players on this on this team. So I think it's huge for them. And, you know, this could be the turning point. It either it'll either go up or go down. I don't think it'll stay the same, but this will be a huge, huge turning point for the Broncos. Shelby Harris mentioned a couple of days ago in a press availability on Zoom that he uh, that it's it's a good chance to kind of reset and get kind of a mental break and kind of reset, refocus. In your experience, does the bye week really allow guys to do that? And have there been positive results from from that by, coming out of that bye because you had kind of that mental reset? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the bye week I mean, is definitely a time for you to reset, get your mind right. It helps you as, your, as a player to get your your body right and prepared for the second half of your season. Um, you know, always want to put your best foot forward. You do everything you can to prepare your body to go for the second half. Um, that's the most important half of the season. Uh, you know, this is when you really make a push for the playoffs. But also on the uh, coaching side, this is the first time throughout the season that they are able to take a deep dive at what they do. Um, some So much of the season you're always preparing for another team and seeing what they do and how they operate and what plays they like. Um, you know, as humans, we always have tales and things we like to do. And this is the first time for the coaching staff to really look back and see, well, what are my tendencies? What are teams um, keying on? about me or the players I like to run on third and short or third and long. Um, this is the first time they're able to take a deep dive and look at themselves um, to see how they can better themselves and the, and the calls that they're making uh, for the rest of the season. Todd, uh, George Payton famously said a couple of weeks ago, we are 4-4, four and four, but it feels like we're 1-7. and seven. With that, this team is 5-5. Five and five. Does it feel like 2-8 and eight? and – how do you think the players feel about what their record is and what they, for lack of a better phrase, really are? Um, to me, it definitely does feel like a little bit like two and eight. I think it feels that way because you feel so unsure about the team. You feel unsure about um, each game. Um, you feel unsure about um, you know what's going to happen with the team next year. There's just so many variables up in the air that it doesn't really give you a piece or a confidence to say that they'll go on and win the next seven games and go to the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. You don't. It's weird to have that confidence when it's been so up and down. Um, you know, as far as the players, um, I feel like you always feel like you're in it as long as you have a shot. That's all you want is a shot to get to the playoffs because you know once once the playoffs hit, everybody has you know, a new record of zero and zero and that's when, you know, you know, the real the real game starts. You saw the Giants go to the Super Bowl win the Super Bowl after going eight and eight through the season. So, you know, as long as you're making a push to get to the playoffs and have a chance to get to the playoffs, you know, that's all guys care about. And I know that's on the mind of Denver Broncos right now. You kinda of mentioned kind of the week to week. La you know, 
a week earlier, their the defense is dominant against the Cowboys, shut them out for 55 minutes, and then they get diced up against the Eagles. From what you watched, what was the difference? Why were the Eagles able to carve up the Broncos' defense in a way that Dallas couldn't? Really, I think it started with the running game. Um, you know, in, in the NFL, when you're able to establish the run, so much of your playbook opens up and your offense is uh, predicated on you being able to run the football. So if you're able to do that, um, run the football well, it'll open up a lot of different things for your offense to be able to do. That's why you saw some of the play-action pass work um, for the Eagles and, you know, some of the deeper shots were able to work because when you have to do more things to fill the box to um, stop the run, it leaves your corners out on islands and kind of makes everybody else have to play a one-on-one game. So I feel like that was the biggest difference between the Eagles game and the Cowboys game. They were able to stop the run against the Cowboys. Todd, you have played uh, football for a long time at the college level and in the NFL. I've covered sports for 30 years. And in all my years, I have never once, and I mean, maybe you have, and that's what I'm going to ask you. I have never once heard a player call out the coaching in a public press conference. Ever. Not at a locker, not at a podium. Draymond Jones did do that following the game against the Eagles. And then he sent out a statement saying, I really didn't mean it that way. How do you take that? I'm sure you're going to take him at his word. But at the end of the day, is there some truth to that? Yeah, I feel like, you know, after after the game, you're definitely passionate. You definitely have a lot of adrenaline going. Um, and you may say some things that um, you don't necessarily mean to say. Um, I know for myself, even if I felt a type of way about the coaching staff or the plays that were being called, I definitely wouldn't have let it be known. Um, so that's a, a tough position uh, for him to be in. But I always think that coaches get away with murder, to be honest. I'm not saying that the, <laughs> if, if the Denver Broncos are awesome. wrong here by any means. I'm just saying um, usually everything is on uh, the players. I remember times when a coach would tell me to do something and I would do it, and then another coach would tell that coach that it was wrong. But, um, you know, I would be made to be the bad guy when, my coach, you told me to do this. You told me to play this play like this, but – you know, a lot of the times, um, you know, it's all in the players. It's the players' fault. Um, it's the put when sometimes it is the scheme, or sometimes it is a bad call, or sometimes they tell the players to do um, the wrong thing. So, you know, I think everybody deserves a little bit of credit when things aren't going bad. Are going bad. In your experience, then, if things did go wrong, how much of a percentage was coaches, and how much of it was player execution? <laughs> It's a team, so I feel like it's about Um, 50-50. There are times where a coach continues to tell a guy something and he continues to do it wrong, and that's on him. But there's other times where coaches, you know, make mistakes. I think everybody's human. Um, I think that's why you can see one team um, constantly get stuck in the first round of the playoffs, get a new coach, and then go to the Super Bowl. The coaching staff definitely matters for you to be successful in the NFL. So I think um, it matters for you to be successful and it matters for when you're not successful. Todd, I know you're going to have to answer this question very carefully, so I just want to let you know that I'm going to be throwing a bomb at you, okay? And you and I have known each other for a long time. So I want to let you know it's coming, and you could diffuse it however you want to. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this, because Andrew and I have talked about this over the last couple of weeks. 
Vic Fangio has said multiple times, multiple times over the last five, six weeks, we need to coach better. We need to coach better. With that, when a guy keeps saying he needs to coach better, do they maybe need to find a guy who can coach better? Um, I don't necessarily uh, know if that's the case. I think as players, you can understand that you need to play better. You know that there's another level you can take your play and your ability. Uh, just like coaches know that there's a better way that they can connect with their players or better schemes that they can create. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the wrong guy for the job or I can't do what's, um, you know, the better version of what I need to do. Um, it just means that I have to be able to execute um, at a higher level and that I can, uh, where we just have to find a way to do that. What did you think of the game plan against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles? The offense, uh, you know, the, the defensive game plan against Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure about, um, you know, whether it was the best thing or not, you know, that's not really for me to decide. Um, I don't feel like, I mean, by the, by the score of the game, it didn't really work out. Um, so maybe there could have been other things done, but, um, you know, I don't really know what else could have been done. Mace, you got anything else? Cause I want to talk to Todd about the Davis fund. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. I do. Okay. Yeah. Let, let, awesome. let, let's get off of Vic Fangio's back and talk about toys for tots. What you doing with the Davis fund? <laughs> Yeah, so um, this um, coming December, we're going to have an event with Toys for Tots. Um, it'll be early in the month. We'll be able to, you know, help families and kids feel great during this holiday season. I think we'll help from between 3,000 to 4,000 uh, kids. So it's important to give back during the holiday season. And um, if you're out there and you want to give back, um, this is your chance for a great time um, to really help and let people know that they're not alone. Um, you have family out there. You have friends, and let's all come together this holiday season. How do people give? What's the process for that? So the best way to do that is to go to dtydavis.com. You can dtydavis.com, and you can check us out online. Um, and our event with Torture Tots will be posted uh, shortly. And uh, we have ways for you to give there, ways for you to talk to us there, communicate with us, so we can know how to, um, you know, give back to our community and, and talking specifically about the davis fund you and your wife have a real estate company it is for profit and non-profit what are you guys doing for our community in the non-profit world oh in the non-profit world we're helping to uh, build apartment complexes and buildings so that uh, people are in transition whether single mothers or or people uh, coming out of jail can have somewhere to go to, uh, you know, really be able to transition their lives to make a better one. Um, I think it's important, um, you know, home. They say home is where your heart is, but home is also where you're supposed to feel secure, and you're supposed to have a place um, that you feel comfortable in, so that you can really go out into the world and attack it. So that's what we're trying to create for um, our community. Todd, thanks so much for the time. You haven't been to the gym recently. Are you dodging me? You're just not lifting as much? What's going on? It's funny because I've definitely been there, but I haven't seen you, when you... anywhere near the oh. 150. So. Oh, now, now you're calling me out. <laughs> now you're calling me out? Really? Well, what time have you been going? I'm not going to stalk you, but what time have you been going? I've been going at like 8 o'clock. Oh, I, well, I don't go at 8 o'clock. I'm there at 10. Actually, I'm there at oh, 9. Okay. I'm there well, at 9. Maybe, maybe... What's that? I said, that's why we've been missing each other. Does Zena still out-squat you? 
<laughs> probably now. You know, I'm retired, so you probably can get me now. <laughs> Todd, thanks for your time, buddy. All right, thank you. See you, man. Todd Davis, Super Bowl champ. Coming up after the break, believe it or not, the Broncos will be tied for second place in the AFC West by not even playing a game on Sunday night. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Colorado Off-Road in Littleton. If you need major accessory brands or something off-market for your truck, car, Jeep, or SUV, they've got it. Upfit today at Colorado Off-Road or go to cooffroad.com. All right, with that, <laughs> Danny's looking at me like, Eric, what is your problem? Say something. With that, we're going to do a segment that we like to call Believe It or Not. Believe it or not. All right, Mace, believe it or not, the Broncos will be tied for second place in the AFC West by Sunday night. Believe it. I believe it, too. I really do. Raiders, yeah, the Raiders still the last two years have not won a game with Henry Ruggs not there, and he's not going to be there for obvious reasons. Their offense doesn't have the same punch with it, with the deep threat without him. And the Chargers are playing the Steelers, and the Steelers get Big Ben back. I think the Broncos are going to be sitting tied for second place on Sunday night at 5-5. Five and five. And, you know, I'm going to take it a step further. The Broncos are going to be tied for first place with the Kansas City Chiefs when they play the Chiefs in about two weeks. So you're saying that the Cowboys will go in and beat the Chiefs on Sunday. Yes. And then, of course, the Chiefs have their bye Thanksgiving weekend the yes. following week. Yep. Okay. That's what wow. I'm saying. And I'll tell you, well, first of all, this is why I think the Cowboys beat the Chiefs. Because after losing to the Broncos, certainly they looked refocused in their next game, right? No doubt. And now they're playing a Chiefs team in which Patrick Mahomes looked like Patrick Mahomes. And they're going to look at this as their Super Bowl. Not that they don't have higher aspirations than a regular season win, but they're, they, they were so embarrassed by the Broncos that that big win that they had last week, right, is going to mean mm-hmm. nothing if they go get thumped by the Chiefs. This is the test of the Chiefs' defense to see if it's for real now. Four of the last five games, they've allowed 17 or fewer points. Those teams that they've held to those low point totals are Washington, the Giants, the Aaron Rodgers-less Packers, and the Raiders, who, like I mentioned, who don't have the vertical speed threat without uh, Henry Ruggs in the mix. So this is the biggest test for the Chiefs' defense. If they play well then and the Chiefs win, then everybody in the AFC is in trouble. But if the Chiefs' defense is a mirage and the Cowboys dice it up, then Kansas City is going to 
scuffle around a little bit above 500 the rest of the season. Believe it or not, Josh Allen is the favorite for the MVP. Believe it or not, the odds makers say this is true right now. They can say whatever they want. I don't think he is. I don't think he is either. I think I think Kyler Murray is should be the MVP of the league. And we got to remind, even though they the the Cardinals did win a game with Colt McCoy quarterback, we got a reminder on Sunday when Cam Newton and the Panthers thrashed the Cardinals of just how important Kyler Murray is. Look, a backup quarterback. You expect him to go five, the team to go five hundred with the backup quarterback in, and that's what the Cardinals have done. But without Kyler Murray, the offense nowhere near as dynamic. The entire team nowhere near as dynamic without Kyler Murray. They've absorbed the loss of JJ Watt just fine, but they can't absorb the loss of Kyler Murray. So we got a reminder of just how he is the alpha and omega of that Cardinal team, and the really the the main reason why they're contending for the top seed in the NFC. Yeah. I, I think it is Kyler still my pick. I think it is fair to say Tom Brady nationally was not well-liked by national people when he was with the Patriots. But now that he's doing television commercials, now that he is far more active on social media, he has come across as far more likable. Throw in a Super Bowl win last year, and he just might win, not only because he's having a great season, but you can make the case at 44, he is the sentimental pick. Wow. I mean, who would have thought Tom Brady would be a sentimental pick for anything? Right. Because he is is no longer locked up in chains by the Bill Belichick way, which is stone-faced and don't say anything. Tom Brady has become affable to a lot of people nationally. He is liked. We're seeing his personality now. Frankly, it's... You kind of... Not that I feel bad for Tom Brady, but... I feel like we were denied something over the years, right? As as a culture, as as a as a sports culture and a pop culture, because this Tom Brady is incredibly embraceable. Yep, funny, he's good fun. sense of like, humor, so on and so forth. Yeah, he's fun. He's spontaneous. He's and you know what? He's you know Joe Montana had a dry sense of humor, but didn't really have that kind of personality, right? That kind of that magnetic personality that translated in commercials and that sort of thing tom has that dry sense of humor but he does have that magnetic personality to him and we're finding that out yeah i agree all right what do we have coming up on the final word oh uh, on the final word and just Did in i catch case you off guard this it, time well yeah you usually say just in case you missed it so i just was a little confused but it's, well, it's I, essentially the same you thing. know what then it worked well done thank you Coming up next, the Avalanche back in action tonight north of the border. And Matthew Stafford's wife had to issue an apology because she was throwing things at the Monday night game against the San Francisco 49ers. What did she throw? That's next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Take that for data. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk. Here's Eric and Andrew. 
Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Mace Denver. At Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Masterpiece Roofing. Find out how Masterpiece can get your insurance company to pay for your roof. Call 720-242-6404 or go to masterpieceroofing.com today. Just in case you missed it, Avalanche at Vancouver Canucks tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, Colorado. Just a little less than a week ago, beat Vancouver at Ball Arena 7-1. to The Avs have won two straight. Vancouver has lost four in a row. But according to Sportsnet stats, the Canucks 16-3-3 in their last 22 home games versus the Avs, outscoring Colorado 80-51. Does Vancouver's trend at home against Colorado hold true tonight? No, I think the I think the Avs, like you mentioned, they've won the last two. The Canucks are on a little bit of a cold streak here. And the, and the Avs, the loss of McKinnon has not caught up with them yet. They played good hockey the last couple of games. I think the Avs win. I don't understand why anybody even mentions the stat. 16-3-3 against the Avalanche at home. What does a game four years ago have to do with tonight's game. Can somebody give me anybody? Give us a call. 303-831-1340. Somebody give me a logical reason for what four years ago with a different roster for both teams has to do with tonight's game. In uh, my you're mind... Just, you're looking for trends. Sorry, Danny. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Mace. Go ahead, Danny. In my mind, it's uh, it has to do with just the fact that sometimes a team has another team's number. And that's what that's how I would see it. Like there's just something mentally or about the mojo in the locker room that goes for a certain team against another team, regardless of the players, the coaching, things of that nature. Andrew, I mean, yeah, that that's kind of it. But I I, I think what Danny's saying is 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 spot on. I mean, you're looking for trends whenever possible, and there's sometimes it's sort of the mental side of it. Like you you, you get caught in saying. Yeah, we're a good team, but it's like, oh man, we're going to Vancouver. We hardly ever win there. So, and so sometimes, make and sometimes sure, you're losing, yeah. you're losing in the headspace before you drop the puck. Right. So Devin Taves and Bo Byram are going to be feeling the effects of Nathan McKinnon suffering a loss four years ago. I see. I mean, Landis Gog's playing, right? He's been out there for a lot of those losses. Oh, I, no, I understand that. I'm saying. I but. mean, it's. It, and, you know, just and, because, and yeah, the goalie, they're, they're new, they're and the goalie is going to be feeling it because he's brand new too. Yeah, I mean, and Bo Byram got, and all the young got kids. Players I got that it, weren't yeah. a part of it, but then you've got a bunch of players right. that that are that have been a part of, of that trend. You know so. what you you know what you call that copy filler when you're writing a pregame story. It sounds interesting, but it doesn't affect the game at all. Yeah, well, you know what? Sometimes you're just trying to you're just trying to fill space. You're trying to get <laughs> right. to 500 words. That's all I was saying. <laughs> Uh, just in case you missed it, Matthew Stafford's wife apologized for throwing a pretzel, a soft <laughs> pretzel, at a 49ers fan Monday night. What would be the worst concession item to have thrown at you at a game? We talked a couple months ago about how 
of fan, an unruly fan, dumped popcorn on Russell Westbrook. I didn't think it was that bad because popcorn's soft, a soft pretzel, pretty soft. But what would be the worst concession item to have thrown at you? Oh, any, I, I'd say beer is right up there just because yeah, it, maybe you, you, you got it all over you. It's, it doesn't, it smells bad. But I think the worst one of all, this was something back in the old Foxborough, Sullivan, Schaefer Stadium days in New England. No. Patriot fans would, they'd buy hot dogs and then they'd kind of, you know, they'd, they'd get a, like a plastic knife and cut them into pieces and then pour water on them, on the pieces, on a cold day, and the water would freeze. And when they got really angry, they would throw these frozen bits of hot dog at the players. You guys, are you, you're totally missing this. Let me give it to you. Ready? Hot nacho cheese with jalapenos. For starters, it's going to burn you. Secondly, you're going to take it off the back of your neck or your head. You're accidentally going to touch your eyes, and the jalapeno juice is going to get in your eyes. Come on, Mace. The best you could do I, is frozen hot dogs. I would. Well, frozen hot dogs. I mean, those. You know, it's like throwing batteries at that point. I would. I would rather get hit. I would rather get hit with a nacho cheese, especially because. That cheese, it's not usually hot. It's like lukewarm. Yeah. Yeah, but still the cheese, also, it sticks. It's not It's not coming yeah. out. And then you got the jalapeno problem. Because you you'll wind up getting that in your eyes and you're screwed. You also can't throw the cheese as far as you can a frozen hot dog bit. If you buy a lot of it, just keep flicking it around. No. I had never heard that about the frozen hot dogs, but definitely an interesting uh, idea interesting for you when idea. you go to your next game. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh. I'm going to keep that one in the back of my head. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, Michigan State working towards a historic deal, 10 years, $95 million contract extension, still in the works, not confirmed yet, but with head coach Mel Tucker. It would make him the highest paid African-American head coach in United States sports, not just college football, in all of U.S. sports. He's in his second year with the Spartans, so not a ton of games under his belt there with Michigan State, but he has beaten Michigan twice, and he is 8-1 and one currently this year. How much of this contract uh, offer has to do with that, beating Michigan, their rival, and going 8-1 and one this year, and how much has to do with a very tantalizing uh, opening down at LSU? It's, I'd say, 90% sure. to do with LSU and fearing that he would go. Fearing, fearing that he would do what Nick Saban did back in uh, back in, in the early 2000s. That, that's what this is entirely about. That, that's what's driving this. Well, here's, here's the thing, though. I'm, we know what the numbers are, but we don't know what the outs are. Because I'm sure yeah, Mel Tucker wanted some outs in there. And let's say, for the sake of argument, he had to pay back... 80% of that contract. I'm sure there is some guy down in the bayou who owns a car dealership who's going to be more than willing to pick up the freight to get Mel Tucker. We'll see. Well, I know we'll see. But the point is, there are always outs in these deals because Mel Tucker has all the leverage, right? If LSU is truly interested in him, he'll not only accept the money but say, I want some outs because you know what? I really like alligator gumbo. That's not why. What's you not say to that. like? Now, what's not not to like? What was that, Maze? You don't like alligator gumbo, or you don't like? Alligators? I'm saying that that would never be the reason. Alligator gumbo. It's not that good. 
Well, what kind of chicken and andouille sausage? That work for you? Shrimp. Well, that's anyway. what I did for you. I did. We got, we got I, another show. Like what I did off. for you. Clear out. <laughs> we do. How do you know? You're not even here. Do we have another show, Danny? We do. Yep. It's oh gosh, we better Wednesday go. Night. Okay, that was Masterpiece Roofing. Just in case you missed it, go to masterpieceroofing.com if you want them to fight your insurance company, get you a great roof, get you the best deal. Masterpieceroofing.com. Mace, you were fantastic today. Same oh, yeah. with you, Danny and Ann and Alex. Make it the best possible night you can.